let's turn in our Bible to the book of Jeremiah. Now we will eventually return to um, our studies in First Peter. When we do start, we'll be coming to chapter 2. Well, just for today and maybe for next Lord's Day, I want to just bring some thoughts to you as the Lord has put them in my heart. Jeremiah chapter 30. Jeremiah chapter 30. chapter 30 we're going to just come to near the end of the chapter and we're breaking into it and we're going to read verse 17 through to verse 24 Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 17 follow with me in your Bible if you find the place for I will restore health unto thee and I will heal thee of thy wounds saith the Lord because they called thee an outcast saying this is Zion who no man seeketh after thus saith the Lord behold I will bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents and of mercy on his dwelling places and the city shall be builded upon her own heap, and the palace shall remain after the manner thereof. And out of them shall proceed thanksgiving, and the voice of them that make merry. And I will multiply them, and they shall not be few. I will also glorify them, and they shall not be small. Their children also shall be as aforetime. And their congregation shall be established before me. And I will punish all that oppress them. And their nobles shall be of themselves. And their governor shall proceed from the midst of them. And I will cause him to draw near. And he shall approach unto me. For who is this that engaged his heart to approach unto me? Saith the Lord. And ye shall be my people. And I will be your God. Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord goeth forth with fury. A continuing whirlwind. It shall fall with pain upon the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord shall not return until he hath done it. And until he hath performed the intents of his heart. In the latter days ye shall consider it. Amen. We know God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Our Father, as we wait on in thy presence, we thank thee for these old hymns whereby we can praise and worship thee as the Lord our God. We come with thanksgiving, we come with adoration, we come with hearts full of gratitude. We say, for all the Lord has done for me, 
I never will cease to praise him. And we thank thee, Lord, for all that thou hast given to us individually. Lord, the truth is, we're richer than we really think. And, O God, we thank thee again for our health and strength, soundness of mind and body, temporal and material provision. And, Lord, we we bless thee for all that we have, have received on a basis of grace. We thank you for all that we have in Christ spiritually. And, O God, we're truly, in that sense, richer than even the richest man in the world because we're rich in the things of God. And we just ask thee, Lord, to remember our building program. And we commit that to thee. And we thank you for the much patience of your people. And Lord, we just pray that as we seek to make progress, that we ask thee in Jesus' name, ever so humbly, for thy will to be done. We pray, Lord, that thou will pour out the spirit of prayer about this matter. We pray that we'll continue to lay hold on thee for souls to be saved and added to the church. Lord, this is thy way of building up the church. We pray you'll do it for thy glory. Even speak on, though the voice of man is silent after the gospel mission. We thank you for all that were in and heard the gospel. We pray, Lord, you'll convict and work by your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you'll bring some new families in to strengthen our work. Even bring back some who uh, were with us in the past. And, uh, Lord, uh, moved on. Thou just know all about it. And we pray you'll overrule. And we thank you for those that were in during the time of mission. We pray, Lord, if it is thy will, that thou will bring them again back in amongst us. Lord, we look to thee that thou would grant to us that willingness to uh, want this project to go forward and to happen. We pray, Lord, that thou will create a way for us. We, we seek of thee a right way for us, for our children, for our substance. We pray you'll put it in our hearts, that spirit of sacrifice that together... We'll do all that we can, young and old alike. Oh God, we'll do everything that's possible and everything that's necessary for the well-being and the furtherance of the work of God in this place. We thank you for the sacrificial giving of your people. And we pray that in light of things that will happen, we look to thee, Lord, for thy help and thy grace. Give us wisdom, we pray. Unite us as one. Give us that spirit of unity and the bond of peace. As we go forward together, we know that Together, the work and the well-being of God is at our heart. Lord, just be with us now as we turn to thy word. We thank thee that thou hast a word for us. Lord, give grace in the presentation, the preaching of thy word. Cleanse me in the precious blood. Quicken now by your Holy Spirit. Bless us and do us good locally as a church. Bless us and do us good as a denomination as a whole. And send revival to our churches in these days. Lord, meet the need of our heart. And, O oh God, meet the need of our land. For the blessing of the church will be to the blessing of the country. And, Lord, that's what we desire. Bless us indeed with thy presence and power. Undertake for us. Meet the need of our loved ones, Lord, who are in hospital, who have undergone operations in the week that are past. Pray you'll continue to presence yourself with them. Bless them and do them good and help them. Bless our elderly, the shut-in ones. Remember our families that struggle in every way. We leave them with thee, praying for the help and the mercy and grace of God. Undertake for us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) Now my text this morning is taken from Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 18 through to 22. 
Jeremiah 30, verses 18 to 22. And my subject today is restoration to spiritual health. Now let me put these verses in some sort of context for you. Jeremiah 30, right through to chapter 33, all go together. There's one overriding theme, one main subject in them all, namely the restoration of the children of Israel to their own land after 70 full years of captivity in Babylon. Previous to this, for over 40 years, Jeremiah, a faithful prophet of the Lord, stood in the temple steps in Jerusalem and he warned the people of judgment to come. He rebuked them for their sinful lifestyle. He called for a thorough, true repentance. He warned of the results of sin. The wages of sin is death, he would have thundered. Sin always pays wages. Sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. He, he warned of judgment to come. And for years, of course, the people refused to listen to Jeremiah. They mocked him. They laughed at his preaching. They said, well, Jeremiah puts on a good show. It's as good as going to the theatre. Let's go down and listen to him for a bit of a laugh. Hey, Jeremiah, they'd have shouted at him. There's no sign of that foreign army yet. We don't see any Babylonians in our streets. They won't invade Judah. You've got it wrong. Instead, they argued it will never happen to the holy city. We're the people of God. It's never going to happen to us, Jeremiah. Instead, they, they chose to listen to false prophets who contradicted the uh, preaching of Jeremiah. But by chapter 28, now listen to me carefully, the Babylonians had appeared. They'd come with a massive army. They quickly overrun Judah. They besieged Jerusalem. And in 586 BC, they entered the city. They broke down the walls thereof. They, they burnt the gates with fire. They ransacked the temple. They plundered its holy and sacred vessels. They carried tens of thousands captive to Babylon. The invasion that Jeremiah prophesied about literally came to pass. It was actually literally fulfilled. Now I want you to think of the children of Israel in Babylon. You see, Jeremiah had a, an equally hard message for them. And it was this, this captivity is going to last 70 full years. It's going to be long, folks. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Sadly, again, false prophets stood up, came to the fore, said, no, it's not going to be like that. It's not going to be as Jeremiah says. He's a mouth. Don't listen to him. It's going to be short. Within two years, the land will be repopulated. Jerusalem will be rebuilt. It'll be back to its, its original state. The temple will be up and running again. A man by the name of Hananiah said this. Listen to chapter 28 and verse 3. Um. Within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them 
to Babylon. That was a false prophet by the name of Hananiah. Hananiah literally means a, a, a liar, a, a deceiver, a, a, an imposter. Jeremiah responded and said, Hananiah, this year you're going to die. Verse 16 of chapter 28, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. Now you would think that the people would be saying, Jeremiah is a very faithful prophet. He speaks God's word to us. Let him speak to us again. Because his prophecy about the evasion of the land is true. His prophecy about our captivity is true. His prophecy about Hananiah came to pass. They witnessed the death of at least one false prophet. He is a faithful prophet of God. He is God's spokesman. Let him speak to us. But you know, sadly, folks, it didn't happen. Even in Babylon, other false prophets continued to prophesy falsely amongst the people. Jeremiah is in Jerusalem. And he wrote a long letter from Jerusalem to the people in Babylon. And he was telling them in chapter 29 to build houses to take wives and husbands, to live peaceably among themselves, to accept the rule of the Babylonians. Listen to what he says in chapter 29 and verse 10. He says, For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you unexpected and then in chapters 30 right through to 33 he wrote four chapters in a book telling them how and why the Lord deals with his people and that the Lord has a future plan to restore Judah and Jerusalem before he's a speaking prophet face to face with the people on the temple steps now they're in captivity he's in Jerusalem so he sends them this letter, first of all, and then he, 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 he writes this message in a book about God's future plans to restore Israel to the land. And that's really what chapter 30, verses 10 to uh, 17, and right down to 24, is all about. Listen to verse 17. For I restore health unto thee. Here's the Lord's promise to Israel. Here's the Lord's promise to Jacob. Now imagine the people saying, the people sighing in Babylon, is there any hope for us? Is there any future for the church? Has it all come to an end? Will it be extinguished and blotted out forever? And here's the message. No! There's a great future for the true church. Men, of course, easily want to write the obituary of the church, locally and denominationally. But there will always be a true church on the earth. 
The true church will always exist until Jesus comes again the second time. Yes, there's days of difficulty. Yes, there's darkness. Yes, there's such a thing as corruption in the church. Yes, there's apostasy. Yes, there's a faithful remnant. But there'll always be days of enlargement again. Now you are familiar, I presume, uh, with getting a, a medical health checkup. After the week of prayer, I was unwell for a few days. I was in bed. I was sent to the doctor. And the doctor diagnosed my state of health. He, he took my blood pressure. He shone a light into my eyes. He, he tested my reflexes. Uh, he got me to stick out my tongue. Uh, he, he took some blood tests. And then he gave me his medical uh, assessment or a medical report. What I really experienced there uh, uh, towards the end of January was a health checkup. And really, if you think about it, verses 18 to 22 of Jeremiah 30 is a spiritual health checkup for the people of God. He's saying, these are the things that I'm going to do in your life. You are, of course, familiar with an MOT, test certificate for your car. MOT stands for Ministry of Transport. It's an annual test of car safety for most vehicles, especially those over four years of age, testing their roadworthiness, testing their exhaust emissions. And if your car is, is roadworthy and fit for transporting you about, you will get a test certificate. Of course, there are times when the car breaks down. So we're familiar with a vehicle check. You're familiar with a health check. And this sets in its historical context the spiritual health of God's people. These things, of course, are written for our benefit, written for our learning. Here's God's promise to his people. And, of course, we can measure our own health spiritually by looking at this passage and asking ourselves, are we spiritually sound or are we spiritually sick? I want you to think of this uh, restoration to spiritual health. And I want you to think, first of all today, of receiving a great message from God. Look at verse 18. Thus saith the Lord. There's a word from God. God is speaking. Thus saith the Lord. Notice it starts with a scriptural word from God. Isn't that what the gospel is? A message from God? The gospel starts with God. It comes from God. The gospel is really an act of God. Wasn't it Ehud that said, I have gotten a message from God for you? It was not invented by Jeremiah. It wasn't dreamed up by other men. This was a revelation. This was a proclamation about what God is going to do, about what God has done. It's as Jeremiah is saying, here's what God has done or is going to do to bring salvation to pass. And of course, the gospel doesn't start with our ideas concepts agenda it starts with God God coming and speaking to us about where we're at spiritually 
God delivering to us his message. Notice also, it's a supernatural message. He says, I will bring again the captivity of Jacob's tents and of mercy on his dwelling places, and the city shall be builded upon her own heap, and the palace shall remain after the manner thereof. You see, the city that has been destroyed now shall be built upon her own heap. In other words, it's going to be miraculous. A miracle that's glorious and vast and wonderful. To me, at least, it speaks of rebirth. It speaks of renewal. <coughs> it speaks of regeneration. And the gospel not only starts with God's message to us, but the gospel, whenever you, 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 you think about it, actually totally changes a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. Doesn't the Bible say if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. When God comes and intervenes in the life, he, he, he intervenes in such a way not to make us a little bit better, not, not to help us socially or ethically or morally, but, but, but the Lord intervenes to change us, to make us new creatures. And we sing, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. You see, it's not only a scriptural message, but it's a supernatural message. This is the work that God does. And more than that, it's a spectacular message. Notice verse 19, And out of them shall proceed thanksgiving in the voice of them that make merry. In other words, it's good news. These people are thrilled. These people are delighted. This, this is astonishing. This is marvelous. This causes them to be filled with wonder and amazement. See, when the word of God comes, as I said on Wednesday night, getting a word from God, thus saith the Lord, God has spoke to me personally, God speaks to the church, God speaks to the denomination, God speaks to the country. When the word of God comes to your heart, you'll be filled with wonder. You'll be, you'll be full of praise. Because the gospel, the word from God, is always good news. We could really say it's the wonderful, extra good news. It's not that we sing, boys and girls. Good news, good news, Christ died for me. Good news, good news to set me free. That's wonderful, extra you shout out. Good news, because that's the most glorious and best news ever heard. And let me ask this morning. Have you received a personal message from God? Where God's word has come to you and called you to repentance and faith in himself? And that that word that has come, it has brought about a wonderful change in you. And you're left full of wonder and praise. And it's the best news that you ever heard. Think of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, it says, and the city shall be builded upon her own heap. Think of its own heap. That's a reference to ruin, utter ruin and desolation. And it's not a picture of the soul of man, utterly and completely ruined and helpless by sin. Inability to save oneself, powerless to do anything about your sinful state. 
And then all of a sudden the word of God comes. God speaks. And you become awakened that it's the voice of God. And you become aware of your need. And God comes in such a way that he makes a new city. A new life. Through rebirth and regeneration that fills you with wonder and praise. Gives you a new start. You see, spiritual health. To say today, am I spiritually sound or spiritually sick? Depends on receiving the great message of God to your soul. That I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And that only Christ can save me. And coming in repentance and faith to Christ. And having a new life in Christ. Having a brand new start. Being under God's management. That's where all spiritual health really starts. Have you received that great message from God this morning? Young person? Elderly? Middle-aged. Secondly, in order to be spiritually sound, or the opposite of being spiritually sick, is rooted in a great mercy from God. Notice this. uh, He says in verse 18, and have mercy on his dwelling places. You see, the second thing about these people being restored and brought back to health is this, that God was having mercy on his people. And his people were enjoying God's mercy. Maybe we get asked the question today, are you a believer who's enjoying God's mercy? Do do you not recognize and realize that every day you're saved by the grace of God is a day of mercy from God? Every day that you're not in hell, that's a day of God's mercy to you. Every day you've been delivered from wrath and you've escaped the flames of eternal punishment. You are a beneficiary of the blessing and goodness of God's mercy to your soul. And then being a Christian. Have you ever asked yourself how you keep going in difficult times? Have you ever wondered how old Jeremiah kept going 40 years preaching to a people that refused to listen? Rather having an ear for the false prophet than the faithful prophet. He's filled with discouragement. And he's got opposition. People have failed to see him as a man of God. right to assume that some pastors like Jeremiah would have thrown in the towel and says look if these people are not interested in listening to me (coughs) preaching the word of God I'll just go somewhere else these people aren't really interested in the word of the Lord these people really couldn't care less and I'm sure there was times Jeremiah felt greatly cast down and we know that he was greatly cast down I'll tell you how we know Remember I made reference in the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Turn to Lamentations 3. He says in verse 22, It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Here's how he kept going. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. In other words, here's Jeremiah and he's lamenting that his prophecies have came true. They've been literally fulfilled. The Babylonian army invading the land. 
the captivity of the people, the death of certain false prophets like Hananiah, 70 years in captivity for God's people as a punishment for their sin and apostasy from the Lord, Jeremiah standing faithfully to preach and ending up in prison, and maybe at times felt that his life was near an end. He's been through a lot. How did he cope? How could he endure such? How did he keep going? Here's his answer. It's of the Lord's mercies. He experienced and enjoyed mercy from God. And you know, folks, in all our difficulties, in all the hard times that we face and have faced in the past, individually and as a church, here's how we keep going. The mercy of God. Thank God for his mercies. Because God only and always deals with us in grace and mercy. Wasn't it the psalmist prayed, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wasn't it blind Bartimaeus who cried out, Have mercy on me, thou son of David. You see, it's the recognition as a sinner, even as a saint. I don't deserve anything from the Lord. If the Lord doesn't deal with me in mercy, then, then there's no hope for me. All is lost. This is all of God, his promise. And the promise is that he will have mercy on his dwelling places. God coming and saying, I will have mercy on you. Receiving a great message. Rooted in a great mercy. Rejoicing in great merriment. Look very quickly at verse 19. Out of them shall proceed thanksgiving and the voice of them that make merry. It refers to Christian praise. It refers to song. It refers to worship. A singing and a joyful Christian. That's a sign of health, isn't it? At midnight we read... Paul and Silas sang praises in the prison. How could they sing praises in the prison at midnight? Because they had the new song in their heart. Despite their circumstances, despite their situation, they were truly happy in the Lord. Because the Bible says happy is the people whose God is the Lord. We, we sang this morning there, um, Psalm 1, um, about the blessed man. The word blessed, I've told you before, means happy. Or happy, happy. Or oh, the happiness. It's a sign of contentment. It's all about having a testimony. That we're enjoying the Lord. We're not only experiencing mercy, but we're enjoying him. We're in fellowship with him. We're enjoying communion with him. Read the Beatitudes. Every one of them starts with the word blessed. Happy, happy. Rejoicing in great merriment before the Lord. Very quickly, it's realizing there's a great multitude from the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 20. Their children also shall be as aforetime. Their congregation shall be established before me. You see, it's a reference to growth. church will not always be small 
In fact, he, he, he says in verse 19, I will multiply them and they shall not be few. I will also glorify them and they shall not be small. Notice the words, few and small. And then he says, I will multiply them and they shall not be few. See, here's a picture now. We're, we're building it up, getting a word from God. Experiencing God's mercy in her heart. Enjoying fellowship with him. Being lost in praise and gladness in the Lord. And as we do that, we're experiencing the Lord's blessing and multiplying us. And what he's saying is this. The church will not always be a remnant. I believe God can and I believe God will give us a blessing. Over there in the book of Malachi, in the last book of the Bible, we've already made reference today to giving and, and giving sacrificially. Uh, but over there in the book of Malachi in chapter 3 and in the verse 10, Malachi simply means messenger. He says, bring ye, all the, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. Doesn't the Bible say now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think? It's a question of growth and development individually and in the life of the church. Maybe we can illustrate it this way. Think of a baby. Whenever a baby is born, what's one of the first things that the uh, nurses and doctors do? They weigh the baby. Don't ask me the weight of any of my children because I couldn't tell you. Rosemary will be able to tell you that. Um, but but why, why, why do they weigh babies? To tell their weight? Well, okay, that's fine. But, but here's another reason. It's a medical aid. It's a medical help. You know, they're weighed in a week and then weighed in a, in a month and they're maybe weighed later on in the year and they're, they're weighed after a year. In other words, there's a regular checkup. Why? The doctors and nurses want to know if the child is gaining weight. And if it's not gaining weight, there's a problem. And you expect to see weight gain. And a healthy Christian is a growing Christian. There'll be a multiplication of the graces of God. Not always to the same degree. There'll be days of reverses. There'll be tough and difficult times. But there will be moments of progress. And that head knowledge will grow into a heart knowledge. And there will be a walk and an experience of the Lord. Think of the psalmist. He restoreth my soul. There will be a love for the Lord's word. There will be a position where the individual will say, Well, well I've got mercy from the Lord today. Are we growing spiritually? Doesn't the Bible say grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ? It refers to growth individually. But then he adds growth congregationally. Their children shall also be as aforetime and their congregations will be established before me. Children in the right places. Being blessed with children and blessed by the children. The children will, will rise up to call her blessed of the Lord. Think of the children that the Lord has given us. We care for them physically, educationally. 
we make sure they have food and clothing. We make sure they're safe. But you know the greatest blessing of all is to see that our children know and love the Lord. That our children are living in fellowship with him. That the children enjoy the things of God. And they desire the things of God for themselves. And I say to you young people, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, then come and join us at the prayer time. If you're a Christian and you love the Lord, set aside time yourself to read your Bible apart from mum and dad. Want to come to church. That was a thing that really struck me about Dr. Lindsay Wilson many years ago in Tandragee because he said, you know, at a time I used to be forced by my parents to come to this church in Tandragee. And he says, I hated that. I used to sit there in a grumpy, humpy old mood every Sunday. And then the Lord dealt with me. And now I want to come for myself. I don't want to miss. I want to be here. And of course, that's what we need. We need to see that emulated, wanting to come for the sake of one's own soul and spiritual health, a, a desire for yourself, wanting to be in close communion and fellowship with the Lord, putting the Lord first. Recognizing a great multitude from the Lord. One final thing. Not only is there receiving a great word from God. Not only is it rooted in a great mercy from God and rejoicing in great merriment before the Lord and reckoning a great multitude from God, growth individually, growth in the church, but also recognizing a great ministry from the Lord. Notice what he says as we finish in verse 20. And I will punish all them that oppress them. I will punish all that oppress thee. There's the protection of the Lord. You see, when we walk in fellowship with him, as he says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And as we walk in fellowship and communion with the Lord, and the Lord is walking with us, we can know the Lord's protection. Doesn't the Bible tell us there in Psalm 91, makes a very interesting statement. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The shadow of the Almighty. If you're under a shadow, it means you're, you're close to the real thing. If you're under a shadow, it means the object, the real thing, is nearby. You're close to it. You're in its proximity or its company. You're in its presence. Here's a question, another question. Regarding spiritual health, are we living close to the Lord so that we're enjoying his protection? You know, at one time, young people, John Knox, the great reformer in Scotland, was sitting in his little house in Princess Street, I remember sitting in that little chair, looking out the window, straining my neck to see the feet of the people walking past because it's a small little window. And John Knox was sitting there because they didn't have much light or electricity in those days in the 15th, 16th century, just a candlelight, and maybe a bit of an oil lamp. And he used to sit there and read his books and his Bible. And this particular day, he was sat for hours, he just got up out of the chair and he moved to another part of the room. And all of a sudden there was a shot come through the window. And he believed that God providentially had caused him to move out of his seat just at that instant because if he had been sitting there, he'd have been shot through to death by the assassin's bullet. 
In other words, the Lord protected them. The Lord kept them safe. And is not the testimony of many of God's people, days of disaster, times of calamity, whenever ruin and oppression has been on our heels, the Lord comes and he says, I will punish all them that oppress thee. Isn't it wonderful? We have the Lord's protection. Notice we have the Lord's presence. It says there, and their nobles shall be of themselves, and their governors shall proceed from the midst of them. This is really a reference to Nehemiah. And this is a reference to the people with self-governing ability. A people that have been liberated and saved. A people that willingly put themselves under Nehemiah, the governor. And of course we can lift it up into the highest realm, because Nehemiah is but a picture of Christ. The presence of the Lord with his people. What is the greatest blessing in life is to know that the Lord's presence is with us. And we voluntarily give ourselves to him in his service. We're under him. We're set free to serve him. Not only the protection of the Lord and the presence of the Lord, but praying to the Lord. He says, I will cause him to draw near. Isn't that a sign of our health that we want to pray? That we want to approach unto God every day. Every week when there's a prayer meeting on in the church, we want to be there. Because that's a sign of health. And I went to the doctor, he said to me, stick out your tongue. I didn't want to be rude, but uh, I did stick out my tongue just as he asked me. And he looked at it and he says, it's fine. He probably wanted to see what color it was. It's a sign of health, you see. How many of God's people who name the name of Christ... A whole week can go past, a month can go past, and they've never set their heart to draw near to God. In all the years I've been here, and I exclude the elderly, thinking of the young and able-bodied who could be at the prayer meeting, no excuse for not. We haven't seen you. We, We would love to see you. Why? Because that's a sign that God, if he's given you a heart to pray, is a grace from God. <clears throat> have you got a personal quiet time? Do you have a daily moment when you get alone with God? You desire him. I will cause him to draw near. There's the praying to the Lord. I and there's the presenting of the Lord. And ye shall be my people. And I will be their God. See, the Christian doesn't run about. I don't run about with a big badge at the hospital and say, I'm a Christian minister, I'm a free Presbyterian. Don't put an advert out in the Belfast Telegraph or the newsletter to say, we're Christians, you know. We don't need a badge or an advert. Why? Because we've got a testimony. Ye shall be my people. We be thine, Lord. We're the Lord's people. The Lord lives and reigns within our hearts and our lives. Folks, here's just some vital signs of our spiritual health. The restoration to spiritual health. Where does it start? A word from God. When did the Lord last speak to you? When did you last get a personal word? Do you recognize the Lord deals with you in mercy? Have you got that new song in your heart? Is there growth and development in your life? Do you recognize the Lord's protection, the Lord's presence, the ability to pray to the Lord and present yourself to him as his people? 
These are all vital signs before we're out spiritually. May the Lord take these few words and bless them to our hearts today.